I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. From cranberries to cows and everything in between, this is Forward Farming. Ho, hello. Welcome back to Forward Farming. If you guys are not in the Christmas spirit yet, boy, do I have the perfect episode to get you there. This week, we are joined by Brittany and Sean Malone, who own and operate the Curvy Hideaway in Trees in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and they sell Christmas trees. They grow them, they sell them, they do all of the fun stuff with Christmas trees. And I didn't know this until I started kind of digging around a little bit more. Um, But Wisconsin actually ranks in the top five nationally for Christmas tree production. So over 1.2 million Christmas trees are sold annually in Wisconsin alone. And if you guys keep track of like the Rockefeller tree that goes up in New York City every year, um, that's always really exciting when it comes from Wisconsin uh, because it's just this ginormous tree that travels across the country. Um, But anyway, I was really excited to learn more about this because you can't just plant a tree and expect it to be ready by Christmas. So I knew there was a little bit more that went into it than that. So to hear how long it takes from start from plant until harvest and everything that goes on in between was really exciting. I didn't really know much about tree farming. Um, So this is a really great episode. And they also have a lot of other um, side businesses that they run as well um, that they do in their off season and to hear them talk about that and how they have their family involved with their operation and how it came to be um, is, is a really cool story. So hope you guys find this as interesting as I did and hopefully you learned something too. I will link um, Curview's uh, social media handles down in the description below. But hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, make sure to give them a follow and uh, go support uh, your local Christmas tree farm this this holiday season if you haven't already. So I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit jabbing and let you guys enjoy. So we are Sean and Brittany Malone and we own Curview Hideaway and Trees or Curview Tree Farm in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And we actually came upon owning Curview, this tree farm, because we were originally working with a different tree farm family and a different property. And when that family, um, decided to sell we were not in the place to actually purchase it and then um was it two years later no not a year later a year later we were approached by the gentleman who owned this property and it was quite comical because it wasn't much of a conversation and uh my husband sean came out here to meet with him and the gentleman said here here are the keys talk it over with your wife and let me know what you think i literally got a call i was actually on a project and i got a call out of the blue and and um this gentleman's like hey i I hear you're interested in a tree farm do you want to run mine and it was just kind of a no hello no like hey this is so and so it was just a matter of fact right to the point like we're this is why i'm calling you because i want to know if you're interested in running running the tree farm that i have and um yeah it was just kind of a crazy like I'm on the phone going, pause, rewind. Who is this? Like, is this a scam? Is this a prank? Like, what is this? And here he was, he was good friends with uh, the family that uh, owned the tree farm that we had good relations with and, and um, you know, were helping run quite a bit because we, we essentially got into the tree farming business because we also do uh, Christmas lighting. So we put up takedown Christmas decorations, which includes natural trees, natural wreaths, garlands, swags, that whole gamut of things. And so we needed a source 
to provide our clients with those items. And so we started working with that particular tree farm um, to get those items. And then that kind of developed into working more um, kind of the background scenes, if you will. Um, and um, ultimately that family was, was really kind of trying to um, shape us into knowing how to run a tree farm and with hopes of taking over their property one day. But then that fell through, as Brittany mentioned, that um, um, when they were looking to sell, it was not in our budget and, um, and we had to move on and we were just like, all right, you know, God's got a different plan, but then mm -hmm. learned pretty quickly what that was. Cause again, that random call yes. led us to, cause again, they were good friends and um, over breakfast, I believe it was one day that they, they basically said, Hey, I've got someone that might be interested in running your tree farm. And that's when he gave me the, the call. So yeah, Christmas tree farmers are pretty well connected and interwoven. And so they know what's going on in the community and interest. Um, and so when Sean actually came home with the keys and he goes, hey, we got to check this place out. And I said, what did you do? <laughs> sign something? Did you sign your life away? What just happened? How do you have keys? And so he explained the situation to me and we came out here and we looked at the property and I was pretty hesitant because we had two young kids. Our kids were six and three when we started this. And we are first generation tree farmers. So this is not in our wheelhouse, not in our family history by any means. Um, and so I said, we already have a Christmas season business. How can we run two? We're insane. Like that would be ridiculous. And when we looked at the property, he actually took me back to the tree field because we have 12 acres here too. We're up front where our gift shop and a house pad is. And then we have 10 acres in the back. And when we got up on the hill and I looked out over the tree farm, I went, oh, now I get it. Okay. <laughs> so I said, we're insane, but we'll have to figure this out as we go. So. And we have, and we are insane. Like, we're, we're, like yeah. as we sit here on December 6th, it is like, I'm not going to lie. It's exhausting. Like we're, we're, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, that yeah. is, that is a wild story. I mean, start to finish, like you said, um, kind of how everything worked out and, you know, God has a plan for everything and just the way, you know, and the fact that you even answered a call without recognizing the number is a miracle in itself. <laughs> so that's half the time. I, I mean, sometimes I look for half the time, like if I'm working, I just grab the phone because I, I, I don't even, sometimes I have something in my ear where I just hit the button because I can't see the phone anyway. So it was probably a situation like that. <laughs> That's, that's crazy. So walk me through what it takes to own and operate a Christmas tree farm, because this is something that I have no idea about. And again, kind of like cranberries, you don't really think about it outside of kind of like your harvest season. So what all goes into your operation? All, is it an all year round process? I assume in, you know, start to finish, what does the process look like? Absolutely. How about so, this? How about I start with like kind of like the field work and then you can finish it up with like the harvest season, if okay, you will. But I will say this the gentleman who owned it before us, his name was Al Karen, he did not plant for five years before we took it over. Mm -hmm. And so, much like cranberries, people just think, oh, you just plant them and that's all you need. And we get a lot of the times we get the, well, tree farms you just plant trees right and that's all it is and I'm like yeah, yeah, you're cute. No. <laughs> no, no, not at all so I'll let you take away this so yeah so we get we get a little bit of a break because um I and I think with most farming that uh you know the winter months are a little bit slower and it, it's it's somewhat weather dependent that if we have 
if we have a more mild uh, and less not as much snow that I can go up and do you know basically work with the trees a little bit of um, doing a little bit of pruning and sometimes that happens like we'll we'll shear all the trees that primarily happens in, in the middle of summer but there's sometimes where we don't shear them as aggressively because we're anticipating them to be sold that year and there'll be times where in the dead of winter I'll go out and kind of touch up if you will some of those trees that we didn't necessarily move um, you know during the harvest season um, but the the really where where it gets busy for us is in the spring because um, once the frost is out of the ground uh, we start planting and, and the goal is to plant it as early as possible but for us um, we we order in transplants so all the trees that we have in our field we get them when, when they're about a foot to foot and a half tall um, and those trees are actually about four to five years old already that oh, wow. uh, another yeah. nursery that we buy them from they take so you take the seed plant the seed you get a little bit of a seedling and then that seedling grows up um, and then from there they actually transplant take that seedling and they put it in another bed and that's called a transplant bed to let it grow for another year to two until it gets to that um, again about foot foot and a half tall from there, that's when they go through and it's all dictated by when the frost is out of the ground that they're able to get those transplant, transplant trees out of the ground um, and then we're able to pick them up. So we will go through, we plant anywhere from about like one to 4,000 trees every spring. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's like once once that timeline hits, it's it's like you're going. Unfortunately, we have a tractor to help us with yeah. that. It's I was not gonna say, is it just the two of you that's doing that? Um, no, we have, I mean, our kids help with, I mean, this process, our kids will help some, and we also have, like, we'll pull in, we have, you know, people on our crew that will help with that, but it is, I mean, truth, so that there's a planter that goes on the back tractor, and if we have open fields, I mean, we can plant a lot of trees. Pretty efficient. In, yeah, pretty efficiently in, in, in a day. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's where, so early spring, you know, that's where we're kind of off, off running, getting the trees in. Um, once the trees are in, uh, we get a small break, if you will, like maybe a couple of weeks mm -hmm. until everything, I mean, this is kind of a fun time of the year because this is when everything is budding out, starting from the mm -hmm. life. And, and um, um, yeah, it's just kind of neat to see all the, like it's called candling out because all the buds on your evergreens will get these little, they look like candle flames that butt out. Well, that's all your new growth coming out. And, that, and that's always fun to watch. Um, but then what happens kind of mid spring is pine cones come out on Fraser firs, especially. Mm -hmm. And so um, we go out, we actually pick the, the pine cones right as they butt. Um, we hand pick. We hand pick, and that, that's a chore. Um, yeah. There's thousands of these little tiny pine cones. And it's also a crazy thing because depending on the weather, um, that really dictates how fast they butt out and then how quickly they mature. And there's a small window that you have where they're really easy to get off the trees um, because mm -hmm. when they're young, there's no sap on them. They're really soft. I mean, sometimes you can go and just flick them and then they go off. And we do that because the pine cones, if you don't pull them off, they actually rob the growth from the needle growth. growth. And the tops of the trees, which is you know one of the more valuable parts of the tree, um, they can actually choke out some of the growth pattern on that top of the tree because there's some trees that the pine cones will be so thick all you see, like if you let them go through the summer, by midsummer, all you see on that top eighth of a tree is pine cones. Pine cones. You know, it's all brown and that chokes out the growth of, of your needles, which again, um, nobody really wants a tree that doesn't have a top that's nice and full. 
Um, yeah, so from there, um, and that again is usually, uh, you know, usually the month of May, right around Memorial Day that we're, I mean, some years Memorial Day we're finishing up, some years Memorial Day we're just we're getting started. started. So mm -hmm. again, um, you know, Mother Nature has has a role on, um, you know, when that, that gets into, um, you know, when it needs to be done. Like all farming. Yeah. Right, uh, right. <laughs> Yeah, but then right after that, we go into, so there's two ways you can manage um, a field, a plot of trees. One, you can spray it and kill all your weeds. The other option, I shouldn't say the other option, but one of the things is just mowing and keeping the grass down between the trees. And so usually once pine cone picking is done, we're right into mowing season where we're mowing between all the rows of the trees, which is, I mean, that's just an ongoing chore until the end of summer. Um, and so that starts and then um, and usually after the 4th of July that we'll start shearing the trees um, because most of the growth on, on the um, evergreens is actually done by the time you get to um, middle of summer. It's actually sad to think that by the time you get to mid to end of summer, they're already starting to go into hibernation mode. Um, and that's when the growth is done. So we can shape them to the size and um, kind of the shape we want them. And, and it also helps promote new growth for the next year. So the tree is actually thick and full of, of um, branches versus just this skinny spindly tree. Um, and so that happens midsummer to late summer. And then um, again, we're still trying to keep up with mowing through all of this. Um, and then um, really I mean, once we're, once you hit August um, on a typical year, usually we don't have as much precipitation. And so the grass will kind of slow down and we can get caught up with mowing. But then by that point, we usually will start flagging trees um, and, and start getting ready for, for the season, for harvest season, really, um, that will flag trees. And, and that just, you know, we'll go through and mark trees that we want to pull up on our pre-cut lot, mark trees that are going to turn into wreaths or garland. Um, and, you know, again, kind of just go through and maintain those fields. Mm -hmm. And being that we're a 10-acre farm, uh, we have to be really wise about where we're planting and kind of yeah. how we're selecting that because 10 acres is really, really small for a tree farm. Yeah. Uh, most of the tree farms across Wisconsin, especially will be hundred, hundred plus acres. Um, oh. and so, yes. So because of the timeline on growing a tree, I think that's primarily it. So for 10 acres, it's a, a little bit more of an interesting battle for us, but, mm -hmm. um, we're catching up from that lapse in time of planting, but I'm really glad that you covered all that because that was a lot. Yeah, was a lot. Uh, we always say his department is trees and my department is everything else. So, so yeah, so I, I love so you. So you have the easy job essentially. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of, kind of. So, um, my role out here besides helping with some of the tree farm maintenance, is um, I'm really in charge of our evergreens operation and then our gift shop. So we have a big gift shop here that we, um, this is our 10th Christmas season. So for 10 years, we've been working with local artists and crafters to consign their items out of our gift shop. So we're supporting local small businesses. We're helping them find an outlet and a place to sell their items. And we just take a consignment fee off of that. So that's definitely a labor of love for me. Um, I come from a retail background, so it's kind of right up my alley. Um, and then I really, I'm kind of the one that manages all the evergreen stuff. So um, making the wreaths and swags and garland and all pork the pots. other goodies, pork pots. Um, and we start that production usually on Halloween. 
is usually when we start with that. Um, obviously this year was really warm, so mm-hmm. we didn't quite start on Halloween, but, um, because then your other challenge is keeping everything cool and fresh until mid November. So we always open our tree farm for business the second weekend in November. However, this year we started a full garden center. So we were open. That's <laughs> also true. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> we, yeah. Like, like I said, we learn as we go. Um, yeah. We learn a lot from failure. We learn a lot from adventures in business. Um, and so, yeah. So we actually started a garden center this year out here. And so we opened in April. So we opened to sell plants in April and we have the gift shop all set up then. And so mm-hmm. it's just morphed through the seasons. And um, we sold what you typically expect to see in a garden center. And then in the fall months, we went into pumpkins and mums, sunflowers, fall basket creations, and then moved right into Christmas season. So I might get a nap in January, maybe February. We'll see. We'll start again. Do you have a down season (laughs) or a quote unquote down season? January January and February are like our months of, um, of, and I don't even want to say that it's, it's like each season has a different, they have their different to do's. Cause like during yeah. our downs, like we'll start ordering for next Christmas in January for yeah. um, a lot of, of the things. Our that, evergreen supplies, yeah. our netting for our bailers, yeah, um, all the things that we need for the tree farm operation. Yeah. So it's a lot of like, it's budgeting season, tax season, and like a lot of the bookkeeping stuff that that gets done. All the things we don't like to do. Yeah, yep. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> All the fun stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So pretty much our down season is January, February, because then starting the first week in March, we'll start getting all of our plugs and things for our garden center and our plants that we'll be growing. So, um, yeah, we get January, February. So that's exciting. Yeah. So kind of, kind of going back to, uh, planting, are you getting your trees from Wisconsin? Is it a local kind of a local nursery? Yep. Yep. We get it. Um, two places we get um, our transplants from. It's either um, a tree farm nursery that is in Merrill, Wisconsin, which is Merrill is yep. like a big hub for the Christmas tree industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also there's a, a, a big nursery down south of Stevens Point that we also get um, a good amount of transplants from there as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and a lot of that is because like obviously across the country, different diseases, different pests can emerge. And so, um, even the, I don't even know what they're called, but the department of agriculture, maybe the tree farm association, I'm not sure. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) I see this is his department. Um, but they're trying to manage and maintain those pests and those diseases. And so you don't want to necessarily bring in trees from out of state because they're, they're really tracking that. And some areas across the country and even in Wisconsin, some areas are under quarantine for specific pests or disease for control. So um, you wanna be really mindful as to, well, at least we're really mindful of where we locate those from. And we always work with tree farmers that one, we've had good success with, but that other people speak highly of too, so. And we're fortunate. I mean, Wisconsin is one of the biggest states yeah. that produces Christmas trees, which is it's it's um, convenient, I guess, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of great resources and and like you know, for us, where it's you know we're a couple hours away from getting that we'll go and we'll pick up our our transplants, which again 
those transplants are, are many times, I mean, those nurseries will be shipping them all over the country where um, we're fortunate to, to be able to just to go across state and, and get those. And get them very fresh. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know the, the correct term is there different varieties is that the the best yep. word yep. how many different varieties do you have do you prefer one over and the other like how how does that work yeah it is, um, <laughs> i just wanted to spell them then but i'll let you that? explain the varieties first the oh. fraser versus balsam oh yeah so the two the two like they always in the industry they always say the cadillac of christmas trees is your fraser fir and i mean fraser firs are i mean even we we have Majority of our field is Fraser firs. Um, there are there are also balsam firs, um, mm -hmm. but within both fir families, if you will, that there's been a lot of um, modifications where you have they they actually call them fralsums, um, but they where they're kind of they're supposed to be the best of both worlds. And we have a handful. We have a plot that's planted of them, and it's I mean they're right now two to three feet tall. So it's just interesting because it's my my first time that you know learn kind of seeing them grow if you will and mature um so far i like them but i know a lot of people love those trees but canaan fir and this is where it just gets a little complicated because canaan fir is also another uh, fir tree but that is canaan firs to me are i mean you look at one canaan fir and it looks exactly like a fraser fir you look at another one it looks just like a, a a balsam so it's you know every tree is unique and different um but you know really for us what we have planted out here we have balsams and fraser's are our main um, um, trees that we, we grow out here. And every so often we'll play a game where I walk through the field with Sean and I guess what the trees are and I'm constantly <laughs> wrong. So yeah. and again, uh, that's where it comes in because, you know, we get, we get these frostums, which, um, are, are blend in, in some of the trees. And I really think it's because you have a field that, that pollinates <laughs> that they, um, you know, they, they kind of just start what? I don't think so. Gotta talk with your hands. <laughs> yeah. Our daughter does this all the time. So I think she gets it wrong. <laughs> nuts. I love it. Anyways, um, but those frosts, I mean, they're hard to tell which variety they truly in which category they truly fall into. But yeah, but usually what we get when people are coming to pick out their trees, oh well, I want a Fraser because they don't lose their needles, right? Hmm. And I'm like, oh friends, that's a myth, balsams hold their needles just as well as Frasers do. You just gotta water it. Like that is yeah. the biggest thing with trees and maintaining them and their freshness is just watering them. Yeah. They consume so much water in the first probably two weeks, but all season long. Yep, and the key is, so when you, when people cut their tree, um, it's funny to hear the different myths like, oh, I hear that you're supposed to keep it in a bucket of ice for like a week or a day. And it's like, oh my gosh, no, just put it in your house. And not hot water. Yeah. And, or even like throwing aspirin or, and, and I mean, yeah. You know, and, like flowers. They well, say that. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard people say, oh, you're supposed to put sugar, sugar water. Right? Yeah. And that's like, just put water and just like, I, I don't know. I, we're ones that we partially because of, of our craziness that we will usually, um, it's our tradition that we'll go cut our tree on Thanksgiving. That's part of our family. You have to preface and like yes, actually put sorry. more context to craziness, but it's yeah. fine. So yeah. because of our craziness, literally like Thanksgiving is like our day of reprieve and we'll actually go as a family to get our own Christmas tree. So we'll cut that thing down. We'll put it in the stand. This year we actually got it up and decorated by the evening of Thanksgiving, which is like- Wow, you guys are crazy. That, that has never happened because usually it sits until about the week before Christmas. And we're like, all right, we should probably put some ornaments and lights on this thing. Yeah, some long. years. Anyways, uh, 
but we will leave it up because for us, because we have our downtime in January, we'll be, I mean, part of the reason why we're doing what we do is we do love the season. And so we'll enjoy our Christmas decorations through the whole month of January. So we're putting Sometimes up. Sometimes till Valentine's Day. It yeah. depends on how ready I am. <laughs> so it's crazy. And this is where, so from my own experience, I know that religiously watering that darn tree is the key to keeping that tree fresh once you cut it down and bring it in your house. And we'll leave it up. And I mean, there's some years that we have the darn things growing in our house. We'll that, get regrowth on our Christmas yeah, tree. That, um, and part of it is we, we have a, a freestanding wood stove in our house that, that oh, makes it. It's real toasty. It's like a greenhouse. Yeah, um, which, which I mean, <laughs> we love and it's awesome. But, but I think between that and, and keeping that tree watered, that they'll, they'll, I mean, there's some years there's two to three inches of, of new growth on it. Couple of years wow. ago, because we're actually laughing because they're like, "Oh my gosh, we have to cone our tree that has our Christmas decorations on." <laughs> the cones actually butted butted out on on the darn tree before we I took it. Did pop. Yep. Yep. The, before we took it down, but again, like so, we leave it up for a pretty long time, and it's usually still fresh when we take it down. Mm -hmm. But again, that's because what happens is if you let that bucket of water dry out, it's like, and I think I heard once, and I should know this, but it's like one of those things that whatever it is what it is but i think it's like 45 minutes is all it takes for the your stump to sap up that once it's dry for 45 minutes it will no longer take up water or if it does it, it takes up only some of the pores there's a good percentage of the pores that are now sapped over that won't draw the water and out. the solution is the solution is and this is what's hard if you have a fully decorated tree is you have to cut at three quarters of an inch off the bottom of that that trunk to get the pores oh. wide open I was like, why would you have a fully decorated people who aren't watering? Like, yeah, okay. so if you put up your tree Catching and you don't up. water it, Catching like cut first couple, because there's some people like we'll put trees up and um, like big trees, especially, and they'll call me like, I think the tree's leaking because you just put that up this afternoon and the, the stand was dry by the time we went to bed. And I'm like, no, that tree will literally take up over a gallon of water in the first day. So like oh. keep watering it. Like, yeah, make sure that there's just in case, make sure there's no puddle underneath it, but more than likely it's in almost just all the time. Thirsty. Yeah, almost every time it was just the tree was that thirsty. Mm -hmm. So how long do you have? So like for me, I'm in the middle of nowhere. So like to go to Eau Claire, it's over an hour drive for me. How okay. long do you have um, by the time that you cut that tree down and you bring it back home before you would need to like recut it? And again, I've, I've heard, and this is, and this is where, again, I should really know my, you know, I'll do a little bit more research, but I've heard 45 roughly. minutes. Yeah, okay. well, I'll just say roughly an hour is, is, um, you know, when you should get that cut, but it also is also dependent, just knowing how I see saps flow, it, it depends on how warm the day is. Like, if it's a yeah. day that it's like two degrees, it's not, your saps are going to be, I mean, they're going to be not moving at all yeah. in, in the, the trunk of the tree, where if it's like, in the 30s or 40s, obviously those saps, as soon as you cut it, they're going to be moving faster and they're going to try to. So what it is, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, us getting a scab or if we get a cut, you know, that that our blood dries to basically seal up the open pore. And that's the same thing the tree is trying to do is, is seal up the open pores that, that it has, where if you put it in water, it doesn't feel the need to do that. So it doesn't push mm -hmm. the saps into those pores to close it up. Okay, so then the first day it drinks a boatload of water. How okay. often? Like, how often should you be watering it after that to keep its freshness? Well, and, and <laughs> the key is the key is just check it. I mean, make sure. And I always um, it it kills me because so many tree stands have such a small container yeah. that they barely hold any water, and that's what I mean. That's what kills your tree. 
um, where, I mean, just always keep the darn stand full and make sure, I mean, some stands, it's like you get through half a day and it's already dry, where it's like you need to figure out a different solution, whether it's a bigger stand or they have the things where you can take bottles, flip them upside down, and it's kind of like an automatic tree water. Or a water tracker yeah, where it'll yeah. alert you when it's low. Um, but that's where, I mean, the key is just making sure that that bottom, I mean, most stands will hold the trunk of the tree off the bottom of the stand about half inch to three quarters of an inch. Just again, just to allow that water to get to the bottom of the, the stump. Um, and so it's, I mean, the key is just keeping that stand um, full literally all the time. Are there any other tips or tricks, any insider tips or tricks that you have for, for people who might be new to fresh Christmas trees in their homes? Yeah. And one of them is, like I mentioned, is, is getting a tree stand that has a big, um, you know, buck, whether it's, you know, there's a lot of different tree stands out on the market, but making mm -hmm. sure it's got a big bowl that can hold a lot of water. And if not, find one of those, you know, automatic tree waterers, if you will, um, that can supply more than enough water um we're ones and 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 this i mean i'll i'll say this across the board most christmas tree farms will have what's called the answer tree stand drill system and like yeah, those it's are a the, marriage saver it's the slickest way to put a tree up just <laughs> the best tree stand yeah not yeah. that we're getting paid for saying no, that well, but. yeah it was the answer tree stand company would be like but um but it is literally I, I will not put up a I will not put up a tree unless we're using that stand um and two reasons for that one is it's so simple like so um like for here for us we have it's it's literally a jig that um holds the tree perfectly straight and then it drills a hole in the a tapered hole in the bottom of the tree and um then you, when you get home, you just literally set your stand down and you take the tree and you just set it on top of that oh, and you're okay. done. Like there's no messing around, two people, one person holding the tree, trying to keep it straight or the, you know, the pin's not being strong enough. So then it tips over that. And that's, so that's the other reason why I won't use any other stand is because this stand is, if you have the right size stand for the tree, it will not tip over at all. That, um, um, yeah, where the other screw in ones, I mean, even I know myself, I've had many trees go down those <laughs> screw and stands. So note to your listeners, he's very particular about a lot of Christmas things. But no, we won't even go there. Um, but I will say the one other thing, um, two different things, I guess, about evergreens. If you are planning on bringing a swagger wreath into your house. Just know it's going to dry up really quickly. Like there's no way to keep those fresh within your house. You can't like spritz them or anything like that. Especially um, in our climate where the humidity levels in our houses yes. are. <laughs> when our houses are so dry in the upper Midwest. Um, mm -hmm. But then also if you make a porch pot, you can, you can forage your own materials to do it if you have wooded property. But my little pro tip is if you pour water into your porch pot when it's all put together, it'll freeze into a solid block. So all of your branches are going to stay in one place and it's a frozen little creation in your container. And if the wind blows over your porch pot or shovel knocks it over, your pieces aren't all coming out. So that's been my pro tip, but yeah. again, my department. So yeah. <laughs> do you have any, um, again, going back to like the first um, time tree buyers, do you have any tips or tricks like what you recommend when going to find the perfect oh, yeah. tree? I got this. Okay. <laughs> I think. We'll see. Um, first of all is make sure you measure your space. 
Yeah. So no, that's a big to, step. I mean, yes. it is kind of important and people kind of forget about that. Uh, measure both height wise and width wise, how much space you have to work with. And then perhaps bring those measurements with you to the tree farm. Um, maybe even your own little tape measure would be good. Uh, because especially here, when you're out in the field, the trees look so much smaller and then they mm -hmm. come up here and people are like, oh my gosh, it's 10 feet tall and it's five feet around. And I'm like, did you not measure with your hands? I don't know. Yeah, even this year we had the um, first couple of weekends that there was a couple of trees that came up that were some of the last of our really big trees. And like, they came up and they, they the family would stand there. Oh my gosh, what did we just do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> measure your space. Yeah. Know how tall you are. So when you stand next to the tree in the field, you can kind of evaluate <laughs> that way. Um, the other thing is, is like, have your bowl ready before you get home. Yeah. Just have it set up in your living room so that when you get home, all you're doing is untackling, untackling, unraveling that thing. Don't tackle your tree. So this is not else. Um, <laughs> unravel your tree. And then that reduces a lot of the extra work and gets it up in a timely manner so that that fresh cut is still fresh. Um, watering is huge. I've got one. Okay, let's hear it. Make sure you bring something to tie the tree down. Yes. Oh, yeah. And no offense to the people that come out to tree farms and they just totally space that out, but it it blows me. And also evaluate kind of how you're going to get that tree home because there's some people that will come out here and either A, they have a vehicle that it's like Chevy Chase where it's just, it's like, I don't know how you're getting this thing home. Or two, it's like they don't have like, for example, a lot of newer cars, they don't have a roof rack that has anything you can tie it to. Yes. Um, so kind of have a plan of action before you commit to getting your tree. And also, if you're going to tie your tree onto the top of your car, make sure you open your car doors <laughs> first. <laughs> don't tie your doors closed and then have to climb through the window. Although we've, we've witnessed that. that makes some great holiday memories. <laughs> that is true. Lots of giggles. When you have to climb through your own windows to get into your car to get home with the tree on top. And part of it too is like, I'm sure this applies to a lot of tree farms, but um, insurance companies won't allow us to help people tie their trees on. So yeah. that's where like, oh. kind of thinking ahead, you're bringing ratchet straps because it's going to be easy to tie down or you have some method or you're bringing a trailer, whichever it is. Yeah. Um, if it's going to be short enough, you can fit it in the back of your car, you know, or maybe someone holds it on their lap. I don't know. Um, but that's one of the things that we usually see a lot of people like, it's my first time. What do I do? Well, let's try this. Yeah. Um, even grabbing, cause like, ideally if you have room in your vehicle, cause like, we'll put it. So we have bailers that wrap, so they take the tree up and they, they wrap it up tight in most vehicles you can fit, especially with the tree bailed easily into a vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest nuisance is that you're now decorating the interior of your tree or your car with tree needles. And so, and if you like the smell of pine, yeah, then it's, fine. Then it's fine. <laughs> I do not. Um, but like even having an old blanket or something where you can wrap it up just to kind of help keep that mess and also you know just have it so you can just pull the whole blanket with the tree right yes. out of the car is again just planning ahead making sure you have mm -hmm. that plan of action um, in place and one other thing we do not charge for these things but some tree farms charge for like the bailing or the drilling or whatever so just make sure you're asking them that before they process your tree or before you go and pick it um we do not but some places do some people charge for the ride back to the trees again not here, but um, it's just always good to know your cost up front and then it doesn't ruin your whole experience either. Anything else? 
Yeah. I'm like 10 years of doing this. You'd think we'd have a whole list, but. No, um, this is all really great. I've, I've learned a whole lot. Um, <laughs> I, I have one final question for you guys. Absolutely. So we have a one and a half year old and I'm terrified of putting a tree up. <laughs> How would you go about securing that tree so it doesn't go toppling over every five, 10 minutes? Absolutely. So that's the age and stage <laughs> where a lot of people will just do tabletop trees. Yep. So they'll buy a smaller one. So it's up a ways, at least a couple of feet. Um, the other way is you can wire it one of two different ways you can put an okay you're gonna have to help me with this because i've well, never I'm had to do this like, but and i'm just like like our kids the part of it i mean I, our kids didn't climb our trees yeah. but i, I was gonna say that. is that part of the experience yeah <laughs> I, mean, I mean i feel like everybody has to have the experience of a tree going down at some point in their life yeah. <laughs> probably but if you do have toddlers that you're concerned about that or you have cats that like to climb your tree yeah. Um, you can wire it with like fishing line to your ceiling or to the back wall, just from the base of the tree. We've had some people do that. We had a friend that had like, I don't know, a nine foot tree and would have a, absolutely full of lights and glass ornaments and her cats would climb it every single year. And so she had to wire it to her wall and to her ceiling to make sure it wasn't going anywhere. But, um, for me, generally the stands that we use, I was going to say it is sturdy. the stands too, back to the, you know, the, the answer stands that, you know, having a good sturdy stand is, is key. Cause if yeah. you have that, it should be, you shouldn't have any problems at all. Don't try and very rig your tree stand that you no. got from your grandma. Like just buy yeah. a new one. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just do it. <laughs> It'll be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it possible to send me a link to those stands and I'll put it in our show notes here so people can go check that out. Yeah. That, there's one right if you want to grab it. You want me to show it? Sure, we'll do a little show. I'm sure no one can really see it, but we'll talk about it. We'll <laughs> but the answer tree stand, the reason we love it is it is a really big deep bowl. But then it has like a centerpiece. Oh, well done, Sean. Uh, he's demoing it. Um, it has a big peg in the middle that has leg attachments and then the legs detach from the center of the base. So oh. bridge, it's really nice. And these legs are made out of, are they rebar? No, they okay. used to be all rebar, but they're now like, I think these are, I should know this, but it's really solid metal. Yeah. That's all I know. But, but again, this is a really, like, I think this fits two gallons of water in it. But this this peg, like that is the that's all that holds the tree. But it's believe it or not, one of the sturdiest stands you'll ever find them. And you just have to wipe down your bowl at the end of the season, so yeah. you don't pull the centerpiece out at all, and it's glorious. We aren't fighting like my parents did every time we brought a tree home. So my mom would take three hours to find it, and then we'd spend another hour at home with my dad on the ground trying to screw it in, and my mom going, "No, this way a little bit." So. But the biggest, I mean, the one thing that if you have the stand, you kind of have to commit to going to a tree farm. And I want to say, I mean, almost all the tree farms that I know of, like even in the Eau Claire area, they all have this drill, drill. system, but that is mm -hmm. the other component that, you know, I'll have people say, oh, I'm going to try to drill it myself. Um, it's like, in pot, I've tried to do it because like on really, really, really big trees, we, we have to drill it because it won't fit into the, the, the jig. Mm -hmm. And it is... I've never drilled it where it's like you put it in where it's like, oh, that's perfectly straight. Um, so, and that's, that's not that it's a bad thing to go to a tree farm, but no. yes, you would like to go back to a tree farm if you're going to do that stand. Yeah. 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 
Wow. Well, I, I definitely <laughs> learned a lot <laughs> from this. Um, so thank you guys again for coming on tonight. Where can people find you on social media and, and in Eau Claire, where can people find you at? Sounds like that's also her department. Um, so if you are on Instagram, it's curview underscore hideaway and trees written out that way. Um, and if you're on Facebook, uh, it is, oh gosh, I had to start a new page because our other one got hacked. Um, it is curview. I think curview hideaway plus trees, I think is what it is labeled as. Oh. I don't, I will send you a link so you can share okay. it. But um, otherwise, our website is ctreesonc.com. So letter C, T R E A or T R E E S O N, letter C.com. Um, and that's primarily because we're on County Road C. So um, yeah, it's it's fun and everything will be morphing every year, I'm sure. We'll be doing something new. So never know what you're going to get with us. Yeah. Well, that all, that's, that's great. I can't believe how busy you guys are. And hopefully, you find a time for a nap pretty soon because I'm tired just from listening to everything that you do. So kudos to you guys. That's amazing. It's okay. I was going to say when you said, wow, I was going to say that's the proper response actually. Yeah. Wow. You guys are crazy. <laughs> yep. Love it. That's fine. No, it's, it's fun, but yeah, I, I can't deny it's, I mean, but it's crazy when you're called to something and you're passionate about it and serving people through an industry and through this farming process, just like I'm sure many of your farmers are, they aren't like, oh, I feel like working really hard today because that <laughs> sounds like fun for the rest of my life. Um, we're all called to it. There's purpose behind it. And so when it's, when it's what you're called to, and it's your calling from God, and it's something that you're passionate and you feel a purpose in, it's not really work. I mean, you're tired sometimes, but it's not truly work. So we love it. Our kids have learned to run a business and do most of this right along with us and they're we've got two teenagers now because we've been doing this for 10 years so it's just a different interesting morph but yeah. it's been good yeah, been really fun. yeah and and all the memories that you guys are creating for families and and your own especially too I mean it's hard to beat to beat that feeling so thank you guys for everything that you're doing it's it's incredible well thank, well, thank you, you so much we appreciate this Yes. Well, thank you guys again for listening and I will link everything down below too. So you guys can find them easy. And if you want one of these amazing little tree stands, I'll link that as well, because it's a pretty fancy contraption. So definitely <laughs> something to check out. <laughs> thank you guys again for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.